All right, good morning. It's good to be here with you. My name is Nathan Hinkle, and for one more week, I am our Ross Township campus pastor. Um, but starting next week, um, I look forward to um, taking the position as the senior pastor here and leading all of White Oaks locations, which is crazy um, that I started out as a student ministry intern 18 and a half, 19 years ago, and then God just kind of had this plan. So uh, you should be scared. I'm scared. It's going to be a wild, fun ride, all right? It's going to be so fun. I just can't wait to see the things that God's got in store for us um, because I think it's going to be really, really um, life-transforming uh, for us and our community, and so I'm excited to, to take on what God has called me to do. But today, he has called me to, us to talk about the Holy Spirit, all right? We've been in a series Um, as Kevin just said, uh, just started last week talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's one of those things that um, some of us in the room here this morning are are unfamiliar with. And that's okay, all right? Um, But the truth is we are. We're a little unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit. Um, Many people in the room kind of grasp the idea that Christians have held for thousands of years, um, and that is that God is a deeply held core value, core belief of ours, Okay, and that is that God manifests Himself in three personalities, right? God the Father, and Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you've heard that, maybe you've heard that, and and that kind of sounds familiar. Those three names, right? Um, Here this week, and you can check out the details um, over the maybe I think there's two, maybe in the next couple of weeks. Jack Cottrell is going to be here, one of the leading theologians of our time. I mean, honestly, and and he's going to be here. You can check out the details in your program, leading a seminar for us, taking a deeper dive than what we can get into here in the mornings on Sundays on the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, sign up for that. It will bless you, it'll blow your mind, and and it will really set you on a trajectory um, for your relationship with the Holy Spirit um, for, for, for on into the future. So make sure you check that out. Now, we can wrap our minds around, honestly, and this really is uh, regardless of your faith background, okay, or what you believe about Jesus or how familiar you are with church, um, we can kind of generally wrap our minds around God the Father, right? We got to kind of understand a God who created the universe, and he's God, and so we don't have a real hard time kind of at least, you know, picturing, you know, what that is. Now, we, we also don't tend to struggle too much with Jesus the Son, Okay, Um, because there's Christmas and we kind of understand what that is. There's Easter coming and we kind of get that. And he was God in human form, God's son. Um, He died and, and, and of course, we believe, right, as followers of Jesus, those of you who are, that he rose from the dead. So Jesus we kind of get to, but there's the Holy Spirit. And if we're being honest, that's a little harder to wrap our minds around. That's a little intimidating. He, the Holy Spirit, is a little intimidating, Okay. And I say intimidating because I mean he intimidates, like things that intimidate us. And some of those things that intimidate us might be the things that we um, really just don't really understand. So something that we don't really understand intimidates us. Mine would be math. I'm terrible at it. I hate it. And every time I diss on math in a sermon, which you'll come to realize is frequent, um, I inevitably have a math teacher come up to me afterward and kind of punch me in the shoulder and be like, are you kidding? Like, math's awesome. And, and I just kind of lovingly say, I get it. You teach the worst subject known to man. And, and I get it. I get it. No, I'm kidding. Not really. But 
I love that you teach it. I love that you love it. My wife is great at math. She likes it, so she helps our kids with our homework. I max out with helping our children on homework um, at a fifth grade math level. Okay? I'm done. So my daughter's in fifth grade. After that, I'm free. I'm out. Um, but to be fair, so you don't think I'm a complete moron, um, when I was, so, so fifth grade math level now is like ninth grade math level when I was in high school. Okay? So I'm not a complete idiot. I'm just kind of like a kind of an idiot. All right? So, but math, I don't understand it. I, so I kind of stay away from it. I distance myself from it. All right? It's intimidating to me. Other things that are intimidating to you. All right? Things that are intimidating to us are things that we just don't have a lot of experience with. Okay? So there's some unknowns that kind of intimidate us. That might be like the Holy Spirit. So, so for Christmas, um, I had a relative get for Denise and I, my wife and I, this gift, this Groupon thing where you go and you eat and you paint. Have you seen this? Have you heard of this? Right, nobody has. Nobody does this. All right? But I'm going to, right? Because it's been paid for and it's free. So you go, you sit and eat, and I'm t- I kid you not, you sit in front of a canvas and they teach you to paint this image. And I'm thinking, I don't paint, right? You don't want to see anything I will ever paint, okay? And, and that's, but that's what I'm supposed to do. So we're going to go next month and we're going to paint this hideous thing. And, and it's intimidating to me because I don't paint. I don't really know a lot about it. All right. Other things that are intimidating to us are when, um, people in our lives, teachers, maybe a boss seems to have some power, some authority over you, power that you don't feel like you have. So we know people in our lives that could come off as intimidating. That's the Holy Spirit. We just kind of don't know. So why are we referring to the Holy Spirit in this series as wind and fire? Okay? Well, it actually goes, um, it's reminiscent going back into the Old Testament of our Bible, okay, where God's Spirit is often talked about in this way, in this wind or smoke, all right, or, or fire. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, listen to what the prophet Isaiah says In chapter 4, okay, he says, Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night over everything. The glory will be a canopy. All right, there's this cloud, this smoke, this fire reference, okay? Now you look out through the the Old Testament of the Bible, all right, and you will see that God's Spirit is often referred to in words like this, all right? But it's not just in the Old Testament, okay? So you fast forward into the book of Acts, Jesus has resurrected from the grave to the eyewitness of, of hundreds of people to see him alive again, all right? He's ascended back into heaven. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, listen to what, all right, it says here. On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers that were the followers of Jesus were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, and it settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, the word for the Spirit is ruach. In the New Testament, written in Greek, the equivalent is pneuma. And it means breath of air, wind. 
Now, human beings have always been fascinated. And you look at cultures throughout the world, we've been fascinated by these elemental forces, right? And often they've been deified in human cultures. So um, water or wind or fire, we've been fascinated by these powers of these elements in nature. And so they've been deified throughout history. So the ancient Mayans um, worshipped the god of wind, um, Huracan, right? From, and we get the name hurricane, right? So you can see that this power that they worshipped, this, this deity, all right? You also have the Greek Prometheus, right? And he was the Greek god of, of fire, okay? And you can see a statue of, of Prometheus in front of Rockefeller Center in New York City, the god of fire. So what Jesus does is when Jesus approaches his believers, his followers, and he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit, he takes words that, we, that, that is already familiar to his audience of ruach, this, this wind from the Jewish scripture, scriptures from ancient times, and, and this pneuma, this breath of air that the, that the Roman believers would have known that word. And Jesus claims these words or reclaims these words to talk about not some mythical being, but to reference a real, live person promised to everyone who would believe. That's power. So look how Jesus talks about the promises of the Holy Spirit. Look at this, all right? It's just one passage here. In John chapter 14, Jesus talks about this promise of the Holy Spirit in verse 23. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So church, listen, this is, this, is, this is some beautiful confirmation here. When you and I profess our love for God, the Father, when we profess that we love him and that we love and accept the work of his son, Jesus, taking our sin and nailing it to the cross, when we say, yes, I love him, I believe that, I believe in his work, Jesus says, then the Father is going to send someone to you. Now, some versions of your Bible say advocate. Depending on the version you read, some will say counselor, some will say helper, some will even say friend. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he looks at his followers and he says, when I leave, one who is just like me is going to come live inside of you. Now that's a promise. Now here's why this series, I think, is so important to us. And, and really, this, is, this doesn't matter whether you are familiar with your Bible or how long you've been coming to church or what do you even believe about church or a relationship with God. Here's why I believe maybe you've been coming to church and you've been following Jesus for many years. This is why I believe that this series is so, so critical for us at every age, any age, any background. Because we all have a sense that we need an advocate, doesn't every human heart long to believe, I know mine does, that there's someone that's going to fight for me? Like that someone is going to have my back? That there could be some assurance, some assurance that God loves me, that he's real, that he promises good things for me. 
that we have purpose, that I'm loved, that things don't have to stay the way that they are right now. And church, I'm telling you what, this is a promise straight from the words of Jesus himself, that that, the Holy Spirit, is the promise of all of those things. So with that, today we're going to focus on this, and I encourage you to write it on the front of your program where you're welcome to jot some notes down here today, but this is our big idea. Be in step with the Holy Spirit. You and I, be in step with the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus also talks about the Spirit in this way. In John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus says this. He says, the wind, there it is, there, okay, here it is again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus takes the Holy Spirit and he likens it to what? Wind. Now, something about wind that you and I know, no one will argue. It's a non-physical thing, right? Like, you can't see wind. But wind is a tangible thing. Wind is a tangible thing. You can feel it. You feel it on your skin. You can feel it blow through your hair. Those of you who have hair, right? You can feel it. You can feel it. You can see its impact. You can see the things that the wind touches. So you can't see it, but you can see and feel the impact of it. I don't know if you remember where you were. September 14th, 2008. It was a Sunday afternoon, actually. And I can't remember which hurricane it was that had come out of the Gulf of Mexico that ravaged the southeastern states, but it also brought Category 1 hurricane winds through Cincinnati. Do you remember that? It's like 75-mile-per-hour winds. If you were alive then, you probably remember it. I guess that's a stupid thing to say. If you weren't alive, you probably don't remember it. (laughs) But you know what I mean, all right? So anyway, um, so that wind came through on a Sunday afternoon, blew out power, for many of us, some for just a few hours. I lived in Colerain at the time, um, pretty close to the church here. We were only out for like six hours. Some of you out for days. There were people that were around Colerain Township and other areas that were out for a couple of weeks. No power. There were trees down everywhere, debris in everybody's yards, patio furniture. I mean, gone. Not knocked over. I mean, gone. Gone. And, and I remember um, when, when we moved to Ross, the people in that neighborhood just a couple of years later would still talk about that day. I mean, you could see the impact of that power and that wind everywhere. And they said, you know what happened is all, these na- all of our neighbors came outside. Like everybody dragged their grills out into the front yard. And rather than sit inside in, um, in the heat and in the dark or letting all of your steak and hamburgers spoil in the garage freezer, everybody just started grilling out. It was like this major block party for days. Do you remember that? Maybe some of you are part of that. It's like, well, it's going to go bad. Let's grill it up and we'll serve it to the neighbors. And you could see and feel like everybody could feel and see the impact of the wind. It was obvious. And White Oak, listen, listen, because, because what we dream of for our church is that the impact of the Holy Spirit, the presence of one just like Jesus inside of every one of us, that it would be so obvious in our lives, that it would be so obvious through our church that other people in our communities, they wouldn't see him, but they would know and feel his impact. 
We're going to talk about three promises today. There are so many more things that the Holy Spirit promises us, okay, other than three things, but I'm going to mention three of, you, three of them today, and here's the first one. The promise of the Spirit allows you and I to live like you and I were meant to live. Okay, the promise of the Holy Spirit allows you and I to live like we were meant to live. But here's the truth. Here's a, he, he, this, this is true for many of us, followers of Jesus and, and not. Many of us are not living the full, abundant, really, really good lives that our Heavenly Father promises us. We're not experiencing it. We're not experiencing. I mean the full life. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I have come to give you life, but not just like a good life or an okay life or a satisfactory life or a like, hey, hang in there kind of life because things are going to get better kind of life. Jesus says, I've come to give you this full and abundant life that you can experience a full, like abundant, good life that I have come to give to you. But a lot of us have traded that life just for a good one. We've said, I just actually, I think I can carve out for myself a pretty decent version of life. And we continue to run after and search for it. Listen to what Paul says. The Christians in, in the province of Galatia, um, which is like modern day uh, Western like Asia, okay, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes this letter to the Christians there. Listen to what he says, okay, to them. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And then he goes on to describe what the sinful nature craves. He talks about sexual impurity and drunkenness and jealousy, um, envy and bitterness, rage, like, like anger, like on anger, anger, right? He talks about selfishness. But then he says, but here's what the Holy Spirit does in your life, all right? Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to its cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, Paul says, listen, the Holy Spirit, church, allows you and I to experience this full and abundant life that Jesus promises, so be in step with him. Walk with him. And the Holy Spirit will produce these things in you. Church, listen. The Holy Spirit is in the business of producing things. Production manager. Like, he makes things. He takes, like, things that are broken and makes them new. Like, he takes people who are hurting or lonely or lost or wandering and are angry or, or, or lost in, in, in sexual impurity, and he, like, breathes life and newness into them. We get to partner with this work of the Holy Spirit and ask him, produce these things in me because I know you're here and you promised to do it. I mean, this is this beautiful relationship that we have with the Spirit. So when you feel angry and you want to yell or lash out or tear someone down, then you just ask the Spirit, produce in me love right now. Ask for love. Ask for love to fill your heart. Because the Spirit says, it promises that he will. 
When sexual temptation feels so strong that it just wants to continue just to tear at your soul, you ask for self-control. Ask him. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, the, the one who is just like Jesus now resides inside of you. Ask him for self-control, and he will show up. When selfishness just rears its head, and the thing about selfishness is you don't always see this coming because we don't always know when we're selfish. So it's so manipulative and, and, and it lies so thoroughly that, that we could be selfish and not only know it. So we should all be asking for this one all the time. Holy Spirit, show me kindness. Show me goodness. Gentleness. When you're filled with envy, why does she always have the things that I want? Why do they have that marriage? Why do they have that stuff? Why do they, their kids always seem to be behaving better than mine? When envy creeps in, you just ask the Holy Spirit to give me peace. Give me peace. And when you're hurting, like Zach, when he was up here, he was talking about just, there's, there, man, there's some of you, just, just grief and pain and, and, and just, just loneliness and hurt. When those waves and those seasons just, just buffet against your soul, Paul says, just let the Holy Spirit produce in you joy. Do you see how he works? The Holy Spirit produces things. He works with you and in you towards this full life that Jesus offers. In church, most, many, many, many of us have not taken him up on it. I don't know if you've ever been searching for something. Actually, I do. We've all been here. Where you're, you're frantically searching for something and you just can't find it. You just like tear the house apart. The other day, um, I got a phone call. It was about midnight, 1230, 1 o'clock. I can't quite remember, but I was already asleep. And, and I called and I had to get in the car and I had to go. And I had to go. There was, a, there was an emergency. And I, I go downstairs and I'm looking for my keys. Now, I always put my keys in this little basket, like on the shelf in our kitchen always, like always, okay, put my keys in this basket, like my keys live nowhere else, all right, they're not in the basket, why would they be in the basket at one o'clock in the morning, why would they be there, so I, I mean, tearing through the basket, like, where are the keys, I, I need to go, and so I thought my wife maybe, maybe had taken my car that night, that evening somewhere, so I take her purse, and I feel so bad about this still, and I just dump all of its contents, like, I started rooting through it, and I'm like, forget it, I just dumped it out on the kitchen table, my keys aren't there, all right, so I'm like, where are my keys, where are my keys, so I go to the bottom of the steps and call back up to the bedroom, because the phone had woken her up, so she's still awake, I'm like, hey, have you seen my keys, and it wasn't so much like a desperate, hey, could you help me, it was kind of accusatory tone, you know, the one I'm talking about, like, I think you took them, how dare you, and she, she probably answered in a similar tone that was appropriate for mine, um, and then it hit me, I know where the keys are, I put them in my computer bag, and they're right where I left them. I went in the dining room, unzipped them, there are my keys, I'm the biggest idiot in the world, and off I go. See, I think so many of us are searching. You're searching for meaning. We're asking for God knows what. 
God, just show up. Like, show up, you know, in my marriage. Like, like show me I've got purpose. Show me that I'm not alone. Show me that, that this, this difficult time is not, not going to last forever. God, just show up and, and, and show me that I have value. And we look for those things, right? And we try to find them in relationships, and we try to find the answer in sex, we try to find the answer in earning more money, and we try to find the answer in drugs, we try to find the answer in, in, in dating someone, we try to find the answer by going to church. Maybe if I just go to church, right, then, then God will, will show me the answers, and we look for it in all of these things. In fact, we have a term when we finally bump up against something in our lives that's kind of like new and refreshing and kind of feels like it's kind of a new start or energizing power. And we say it's this breath of fresh air. You use that term. Just a breath of fresh air. It's like something new, something relieving. Numa. Breath. Wind. And Paul says, the Holy Spirit has given you the breath of new life, like abundant life. And Jesus promises, promises that though you can't see it, you will feel the impact. Another promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit not only com- like promise, like allows us to live the life that we were meant to live, but the Spirit compels you and I to do what we were meant to do. All right? So the Spirit compels us to be about the things that you and I should be about. This is a conversation for us as the church. All right? We just talked for weeks about made for more. Do you remember that? Man, I hope you remember that. Okay, if you're a guest with us, we'll fill you in later. All right? But, well, I'll just fill you in now. All right? We were made for more. Okay, and the Spirit reminds us of that, that we were made for more than just tradition or, or religion or for an ABF or for life groups or for the values that we hold on to. The Holy Spirit tells us you were made for more than just where you are now. That might be good. It might not be, but you are made for more. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit inside everyone who believes, okay, compels you and I to take this love of Jesus that we have experienced and take it into every corner of our culture, every place in our city, every relationship you have, right? The Spirit compels you and I to bring glory to our Father and to bring along others who will give him glory too. In Acts chapter 1, before Jesus, after his resurrection, and before he ascends to the Father. Listen to what he tells his followers, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what? And you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere about me, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. White Oak, listen, please, The promise of the Holy Spirit is the promise that you and I are equipped and mobilized to take the love of Jesus into our city. We are compelled to do so. And one major problem 
for those of us who are followers of Jesus is that though we have been equipped with the Holy Spirit to do the very work that God has asked us to do, there are many of us who are still searching for our keys. Looking around. Where is it? Show up. And it's been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. And worse yet, some of us have just stopped looking. And we've just settled. But the promise of the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to share Jesus' love in our city. And your life, your transformed life, his presence in you, you and I are the proof. And Jesus promises this, that other people, though they will not see him, they will see the impact that he's made in and through you. And that's a promise. The third promise, and arguably the most important that we're going to talk about today, is the promise of the Spirit is God's guarantee that you are His. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, I just want you to hear that and write that down. Okay? So if you're just waking up and just joining us, listen. All right? The promise is of the Spirit is that it's God's guarantee that you are are his. Look at this Ephesians chapter 1, right? Paul writes this to the Christians there. Chapter 1 to 13. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Church, listen to this. The number one reason God gave us the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for it? The number one reason that God gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit is to confirm a promise he's made to us. God's greatest desire is for his people to feel secure in his love and his power. That's his greatest desire for you and me, that we would feel secure in his love and his power. Everything else may be unstable. Everything else in your life is unstable. Your education is unstable. Your relationships are unstable. Your family is unstable. Your finances are not promised to you. Your health is unstable. Your friendships are not promised. Everything else, sometimes in your life, in my life, we can feel like we're standing up at the top at the ledge of a 40-story building, and there's this unpredictable wind just, just smacking against our bodies. And you go, to, you, know, you go to grab one of those bricks, right? You just go to grab a brick to hold on, and it pulls loose of its mortar, and you're just uncontrolled, and you're falling. And that's what life often feels like. But that's not the case with the Holy Spirit Church. God is so passionately committed. Listen, God is so passionately committed to loving you and me, right? To, to having a people for his own possession that would live with him forever. God is so committed to you and loves you so deeply that he is not about to let you and I wander this life unassured. He's not going to let you and I wander around wondering, is he really there? It's not worth it. It's not worth it to him. So he, so, so he did something about it. He's not about, he's so committed to you. He's so committed to loving you that he's not about to let you be forgiven, but not transformed. Do you understand that? 
He's not going to let you just be forgiven, but he wants to transform your life. He's so committed to loving you. that God is so committed to you that he's not going to let you believe without being equipped. He's not going to let us just believe something, but he's going to mobilize and equip us to do something. God's so committed to you that he's not about to let our eternal destiny, yours and mine, depend on how good we are at religion. So he commissions the Holy Spirit. He sends the Holy Spirit who was present with him at the creation of the universe. And he commissions the Holy Spirit into our lives as a preserving seal to guarantee and lock in our faith. And he sends the Holy Spirit as an authenticating seal that says that you are a daughter of a really good dad in heaven, that you are a son forever of your heavenly father. He sends the Holy Spirit as a protecting seal to keep out the destructive forces and the lies of the evil one. The point is, church, that God wants us to feel secure in his love forever. And so he says, I'm sending you my son, Jesus, to bleed for you. And then I'll send my spirit as a seal and a guarantee that I'm with you forever. So here's what I want to ask you to spend a moment on in prayer today. Maybe if you haven't talked to God in a very, very long time, this is maybe a good time to start again. There are some in this room, many of us, who just need to live the promise. If we were honest with ourselves, we haven't been in step with the Holy Spirit. We've been stepping over here and stepping over there and searching around over here, but we have not been in step with his promises to claim them that are true for us. And it's time to. It's time to. Some of us, you've never claimed Jesus as your savior. You've never surrendered your life to him and said, I believe. I, I believe and I, and, and, and I want to surrender to baptism in his name. And some of, you have, some of us have never made that decision. Today, I want to encourage you in that decision to be washed by his blood, to put your faith in him. And the Holy Spirit will enter your life. Like Jesus, when he was baptized, the Bible says that, that the, Holy Spirit, like the, the Spirit descended on him like a dove. Fill it. Some of you have never made that decision. And I'm telling you, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is eager to transform you and raise you up to. And if that's a decision that you think you would like to make or you want to talk to somebody, just write that in on your connection card and we'd be happy to call you and connect with you this week. How do you know when the wind comes? You can't see it, but you can feel it. The impact is real and you will know. So pray with me. Father, God, of all of your promises, the promise that you are with us forever and the person of your Holy Spirit, Father, it's, it's a lot. 
sometimes, Father, it's hard to believe. Because I'm so grateful that because Jesus died and you sent your spirit that even when it's hard to believe that you're with me, even when life hurts that you're with me, your spirit's right here with me. Even when I feel far from you, I know that you're inside and stirring inside of me, Father. When I'm doubtful, you call me your son. God, the promise of your presence of your Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill your people. Empower us, Father, to know the truth of your promises to experience the full life that your Holy Spirit gives us. God, I love you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.